You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 31 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today I am going to be telling you what I feel like are the top 10 mistakes people make when starting seed themselves in the winter. So instead of going out and buying seedlings at your local garden center, you might decide that you want to up your game a little bit and you want to learn a little bit more and you want to try starting your own seedlings at home from seed. That is great. I love doing it. It's something that I do every year a a lot. Pretty much every variety of every vegetable that I grow, I start from seed myself. There are a few things that I don't start from seed, and I'm going to be covering that in another future episode, but starting from seed at home is really, really fulfilling. You just need to know the secrets when it comes to how to do it right. So that's what I'm going to be covering today, but first, a word from our sponsor. So we're going to be jumping right in to this top 10 mistakes list with number one, and that is using potting soil. If you have never started seeds from home before, I think it's really natural to just like grab a bag of potting soil at, you know, Home Depot or your garden center and just start your seeds in that or start seeds from like dirt from your backyard. Do not do that. You are going to have much better results if you use a seed starting mix, and I'm going to tell you why, it's for two reasons. One, seed starting mix is sterile. So you are guaranteed that it won't have any bacteria or any fungus that's waiting to be activated by water and kill your seedlings soon after they've germinated. So that's reason number one. Reason number two, seed starting mix is very, very light and fluffy. Some of the seeds that you might be starting are going to be the size of pinheads. Like celery seed is incredibly tiny. It is crazy how big the plants get from this tiny, tiny seed. And those tiny seeds cannot push their way through dense, packed, heavy soil. And potting soil and soil from your yard tend to be a lot heavier than seed starting mixture. So I would say make sure that you get a seed starting mix. I would recommend that you make sure that it says sterile on it. I would also recommend that you get a seed starting mix that is OMRI approved. OMRI stands for Organic Materials Review Institute, and it just means that seed starting mixture is safe for use with food plants. So it's totally safe to start your seeds for plants that are going to turn into food that you are growing yourself. A brand that I really like that is sterile and it is OMRI approved is Black Gold Seed Starting Mix. You can get it on Amazon. I've been able to find it at Ace Hardware stores. I don't think I've been able to find it at like your big box hardware stores like Home Depot or Lowe's, but you never know. It doesn't hurt to look. 
I have tried a few different brands of seed starting mix. I've tried Miracle Grow. I can't remember the name of the other one that I tried, but I've I've just always had really really good and and better results frankly with Black Gold seed starting mix. So, that's the one I recommend for seed starting. The next mistake that I think people make, mistake number 2, is not using clean pots. A lot of us <laughs> and I, and I'm Mm, they're, my pots are sitting down dirty in the basement right now, so I'm totally guilty of this, but you better be sure that I am going to clean those pots before I start any seeds in them in a few weeks. And that is for the same reason that it's good for your seed starting mix to be sterile. Dirty pots might have bacteria in them, might have fungus in them, might have pest eggs in them. You never know. So, I recommend making sure that you either use new pots or please, 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 please reduce, reuse, recycle reuse your old pots or you know they don't even have to be pots they could be a yogurt container it could be i use like a rotisserie chicken containers i wash those out really really good with hot water and soap um, and i put soil in them and that i use them as like little miniature seed starting cells it's it's perfect um, so just make sure that you use clean pots when you're starting your seeds number three would be not taking temperature and humidity into account when starting your seeds. Especially when you're first starting out, you might just think, oh, okay, plant the seeds, like follow the directions on the back of the seed packet. Hopefully you're at least doing that. Give it some water, bing, bang, boom, you're done. But different vegetable seeds germinate or germinate optimally at a certain temperature. So for instance, broccoli likes cooler weather it's going to germinate, therefore, at a cooler temperature than tomato seeds are going to germinate. So an easy way to control for this is to use a seedling mat. It's kind of like a low-grade heat pad, like a heat pad that you would use on your back or on your neck for like sore muscles or whatever. It's like that, but much, much lower temperatures. Um, so it's safe to be able to be plugged in for, for hours on end. But you don't have to use a seed mat. If you're starting your seeds in a temperature controlled area in your home, um, where it's around 70 degrees or 75 degrees in the first place, that's fine. You don't have to rig up like a, a special um, seedling nursery in order to do that. A lot of us do just because it gets dirty, you need all your materials and all your supplies in one place. But you know what? For the first few years that I grew from seed, I started my seeds on the back counter in my laundry room and it, it worked perfectly well. And then humidity. Seeds do so much better germinating when there's humidity involved. So there's a few different ways to do this. A lot of seed starting trays or cell packs come with domes, plastic domes that you set on top and that kind of keeps the moisture in, keeps the environment humid. You end up being able to see the condensation on the lids kind of running down and that's good. It's telling you that it's doing its job. If you don't have something like that, you can always kind of put toothpicks in that 
um, seed starting cell and drape plastic wrap over it. I don't recommend wrapping the plastic wrap flat directly on the seed starting cells because seedlings, once they germinate, have a tendency to grow really fast. And if you're away at work or you forget to look at it for a few days and you go to check on them and they've germinated and they've grown up and that plastic wrap hinders their growth, you're gonna end up with stunted, malformed seedlings and that's not gonna result in the best you know, young plants for you to be planting out in your garden. Number four would be starting too early. And I am going to be covering timing of seed starting in depth in the very next episode, in episode 32. But I'm going to tell you about it really, really briefly here. So different seeds, just like I said, when it comes to soil temperature for germination, different seeds can kind of deal with or tolerate different temperatures outdoors. So whereas broccoli likes cooler weather and it can deal with temperatures around like 35 degrees perfectly fine, you won't even notice a difference in it. A tomato plant at 35 degrees, heck no. Like that's just not gonna work. So you need to make sure that you are planning your seed starting according to when it should be transplanted out and when your last frost date is. Again, I'm gonna go into way more detail on that in the next episode if you're curious. Mistake number five would be not feeding your seedlings. I think a lot of people, especially if you use seed starting mix, make this mistake. So a lot of people don't realize that the first few leaves on a seedling are called seed leaves and they're not capable of photosynthesis. And so that means that at that point, the plant is not capable of feeding itself. It may have shot up out of the soil, it has leaves on it, it seems like it should be able to produce its own energy, but it's not. It's like kind of how a baby can't feed itself. You have to feed the baby. Seedlings are the same way. You have to feed the baby. Um, And seed starting mix doesn't really have a whole lot of nutrients in it. A seed has just enough energy stored up inside of it to get that seedling to a plant where it has its first true set of leaves. It's set of leaves that can actually produce photosynthesis and start producing energy itself. And if you don't give it any food and you're using a sterile seed starting mix, yes, the plant can use light to produce energy once it has true leaves and is capable of photosynthesis, but it also needs a lot of nutrients and a lot of minerals in order to carry out those really essential functions for growth. And in order to, you know, give them that, if you're using a sterile seed starting mix, you need to feed them. I prefer to use a fish emulsion, which is just as smelly as it sounds. Um, It's kind of like liquefied fish parts. (laughs) Smells like fish food, honestly, you know, like the fish food flakes that you sprinkle into an aquarium. To me, it smells like fish food, which makes me wonder what's in those fish food flakes. But that aside, fish emulsion is really gentle. 
It's not going to burn your tender young seedlings with too much nitrogen. You can also use liquid kelp or you can use a mixture of both, both the fish emulsion and liquid kelp. They're both very excellent, very gentle, organic ways to feed your new seedlings. I don't recommend using a chemical plant fertilizer, you know, like miracle Grow or something like that, just because it's it can really easily burn the, the really tender, almost like hair-like new roots that your seedling is trying to put out. Mistake number six would be not using the right light. So when it comes to plants and seed starting, plants need a wide spectrum of light. And a lot of times when people are brand new at seed starting, myself included, I thought you could just use a regular light bulb. I think I'm so stupid now for thinking that, but like I also give myself a break because I didn't know anything and I've learned so much. So please don't beat yourself up if, if, or still be beating yourself up if you did that or if you've tried that. But incandescent bulbs, a regular light bulb, are, they're not good for two reasons. One, they get way, way too hot. Have you ever like tried to unscrew a light bulb that like burnt out, but it had, you know, been on for a while? Super hot, right? Yeah. That light also super hot and it's going to burn your seedlings. Also, a regular incandescent light bulb is not going to have enough of a light spectrum to really get your plants off to a good start. What has worked for me, and I've used both fluorescent lights and fancy schmancy grow lights, but I have found that Honestly, fluorescent shop lights work better for me than the fancy schmancy grow lights. But you have to make sure if you're using fluorescent lights that you get a cool bulb and a warm light bulb. And that's going to help ensure that your seedlings have the widest spectrum of light possible. Another benefit of using fluorescent over the fancy schmancy grow lights is that it's going to be way, way cheaper. Number seven would be not keeping your light close enough. People don't realize how close your light source should be to your seedlings, especially when they're just popping up out of the soil. And this is another reason why you don't want to use an incandescent bulb is you should honestly have your light source like just a few inches above that seed starting tray. Once the seeds germinate and they pop up out of the soil, you need to lower that light way down. And that's another great thing about fluorescent lights is those shop lights, typically they're kind of like suspended from chains and you can use that chain length to kind of alter how low the light is and then like raise it up as the plant gets taller. If you don't have your light close enough to those newly sprouted seedlings, the seedlings are going to have to really stretch and reach to get closer to that light, right? They really just want to be as close as they can as possible. And that's going to result in what we call leggy seedlings, where the stem is way too long for the number of leaves that it puts out. And it ends up flopping over and being really weak. And honestly, a really weak seedling, leggy seedling like that is not going to do well. And it's not going to hold up well when you put it outside. And it's subjected to like wind and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Number eight would be watering from above, especially when it comes to when you first sow your seed in the seed starting mix. 
I think we kind of all, when we first start growing from seed, we have this idea of like, oh, you have your little watering can and you water from above. No, 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 don't do that. The reason why is because if you've never used a seed starting mix and you end up buying it and you end up using it, you'll see that it is so incredibly light and fluffy and you want it to stay light and fluffy, especially until those seedlings pop out. So the way to keep that, that soil from getting all compacted and mushed down is to water from below. So a lot of seed starting trays will come with like a reservoir and you can set the the cell pack down in that reservoir and they have a hole down in the bottom of each of the seed cells and it sucks up the water from that reservoir because water moves through osmosis from a an area of higher concentration to lower concentration. So it's not going to happen in like two minutes. It's going to take a while for that water to get sucked up out of the reservoir and up into the seed starting mix. But please trust me, it'll happen. You're going to want to keep that soil obviously consistently moist the whole time until those seedlings sprout. And then you can kind of back off of it and just kind of like water it after it has its first true leaves, I would say. Then you can kind of start to water it when the soil is dry to the touch. Number nine is planting too many seeds per cell. And then along with that, not thinning out your seedlings. If you are starting your seeds in kind of a cramped space, you know, you're, you are, space is at a premium, you're really limited. I think a lot of people have a tendency to try and sow as many seeds in one container as possible. You can do that, but you can only do that if you're going to then thin those seedlings out. And what I mean by thinning the seedlings out is taking a tiny pair of scissors, cuticle scissors work really good by the way, that's what I use, and just snipping out the really weak or stunted or slow to sprout seeds that come up. I don't recommend sowing any more than, gosh, I would say three or four seeds per one of those tiny little one inch by one inch cells. And once those seeds sprout, I would say you need to be thinning them to no more than like, I I personally, so everybody, everybody does things do different. Every gardener, you know, has their own way of doing things. But I have found that if I try to grow more than two seedlings per cell, they're too crowded. They're competing too closely for resources. Their roots, you know, get way too bound up with one another. And it's just, it becomes really problematic. It's really hard to thin out your seedlings, especially when you first start, you know, starting from seed. And at first you're just so freaking excited that like these seeds actually like popped up and you did it right. And you're like, yay. And then somebody is like telling you to like take a pair of scissors and cut some of them out. Boo. Like, but it's really, really necessary so that the plants have the space that they need to to grow. And also that's a really important thing. Make sure you're cutting them out, that you're not pulling them out with your fingers. Because if you pull them out with your fingers, you might be disturbing the roots of the really good, healthy seedlings that are in the cell with them. And that's going to hamper it or, you know, set it back or at the very worst, kill it. So do not pull your seedlings out when you're thinning. Make sure you're using a pair of scissors. The very last mistake, mistake number 10 that I think people make is not realizing when it is time to repot 
your seedlings. We all get the idea that these tiny little seed starting cells that we start our seeds in are going to suffice as a home for these plants all the way up until we're ready to plant them outside. But honestly, some of these seeds, we are starting six to eight weeks before the last frost. That is one and a half to two months of that plant growing. And those seed cells are tiny. You're going to have to repot those seedlings so they don't become root bound. When a plant becomes root bound, its roots kind of just like circle the perimeter of the container that it's in over and over and over and over again. They get all tangled up with each other and it makes separating them from one another. If you have, you know, two per cell, like I was talking about, makes separating them a really difficult nerve wracking process because you don't want to do a whole lot of damage to the roots to a seedling. If you have, you know, a seed starting tray that has like the cell pack in it and, you know, it has the holes in the bottom, once those roots start to trail out the holes in the bottom and you have at least your first set of true leaves, you can wait until you get your second set of true leaves. Your plants are usually going to be fine if if you leave them in there until they get their second set of true leaves. But by the time they have their second set of true leaves, if, if you're not ready to plant them outside yet, you need to be repotting them. I have a stash of four inch pots that I have specifically for this purpose. You can repot them more than one seedling to these four inch pots. I mean, you know, four inch diameter is is way bigger than a one inch you know, by one inch square seed cell. So you can still plant multiple seedlings per pot and save space that way and save materials that way. That's again, that's totally fine. But once those roots have started to trail out the bottom of that that seed starting tray and they have their true leaves, you need to be repotting them if they're not ready to go outside. Because in addition to the roots getting all kind of like wrapped up together and and the seedlings difficult to separate, if you have like more than one seedling in the seed cell at once, it hampers the growth of the seedling. You'll notice that it was maybe like shooting up really solid there for like the first, I don't know, three weeks or so. And then it just kind of slows down to a crawl in terms of its growth rate. That is another really good sign that your seedlings are root bound and you need to fix that by repotting your seedlings. So those are the top 10 mistakes when people start their seeds at home. Please don't let all of what I said discourage you or overwhelm you. Seeds want to grow, honestly, they do. When you put them in the right substrate, you know, the right growing matter, and you add water, it's water flips a switch inside them, and they really do. They want to grow, they want to survive. Otherwise, we wouldn't have any plants out in nature, right? If it was that hard to grow them, because the ones out in nature are, are like doing their own thing without any intervention from human beings. So just know that it's perfectly possible and you are perfectly capable of succeeding. I believe in you. <laughs> and hopefully with these tips, you know, if you haven't tried seed starting before and you're interested in it, this will help you succeed. Thank you so very much for listening. We're going to be talking about the timing of seed starting in next week's episode. So be sure you tune in and I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.